Good morning, everybody, and welcome back, and I should say happy November to you all. What a blessing it is to have this time. I tell you what, it is just phenomenal how quickly time is flying here. It is November. Hope that everybody had a great Monday yesterday. Um, and we are just blazing along here in the gospel according to John. Where we are picking up is in John chapter 12, verse 37. Yesterday we came together and we talked about how the crowd has gathered. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem. He's received this greeting um, as a conqueror coming in to, to claim his throne and all these different things. And yet we talked about the fact that Jesus very clearly told the people what was going to happen, how he was going to be crucified. Yet the people couldn't accept it. Yesterday we talked about why they couldn't accept it in part. We got the first part of the answer yesterday. We get the second part of the answer today, the, the fuller answer as we continue along in John 12. However, the warning that we get from the people, at least part of what's going on here is they want the Messiah, right? Jesus is the Messiah, but Jesus is also the Son of Man. Um, and certainly yesterday, we just didn't have time. I didn't get to this concept. You know, the Son of Man is a term that is used throughout Scripture. It is used in relation to the Messiah, most certainly, but also it is used to describe humanity. The one thing that we didn't get to yesterday that I wanted to get to yesterday was the necessity of Jesus's humanity. Jesus had to be 100% human, had to be, because if he wasn't, he couldn't represent anybody on the cross but himself. Right. We needed a representative on the cross. And so Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. Now, also, as we talked about yesterday, you have this apocalyptic literature stuff. Maybe that's some of what's going on here where they had the two main characters, the son of man who was the fighter down in the trenches, the one that was bloodied and won independence from Rome, however, died in the end. And then you had the Messiah, who was like the general on the hill that went on to rule Jerusalem. That was what was really popular in that time between Malachi and Matthew. Jesus, when he talked about being the son of man and dying, especially when he talked about being lifted up, which meant he was revealing that he would be crucified, people just couldn't stomach that. No, they wanted immediate relief right then, right there. They wanted Jesus to come into his kingdom. It's not only these people. There's a reason that we see the disciples fighting on and off again, all throughout his earthly ministry. Remember what the disciples fought about? We don't see it in John. We see it in the synoptics. They're all fighting about who will be first when Jesus comes into his kingdom. Y'all, they ain't talking about heaven. That's not, that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about when Jesus takes over Rome or overthrows Rome, becomes king of Jerusalem or emperor, whatever he's going to be, they all want to be first. They just don't get it. They don't understand. However, the disciples hung in there by God's grace. These people, however, they wouldn't believe. And so we ended in verse 37 yesterday, but that's where we'll pick up today. So let's pray. And then we will dig in. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. And I pray that you would bless us in it. Give us understanding. Help us to see and help us to recognize how, even though this took place some 2,000 years ago, help us to see how applicable it is to today, to right now. Father, please guide us. 
And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So John chapter 12, beginning in verse 37. Now, this is after this interchange where Jesus has called himself the Son of Man. They ask who the Son of Man is. In effect, Jesus doesn't answer them, but instead tells them to believe. Right? So in verse 37, it says, Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they would still, or they still would not believe in him. Now, there's something very valuable. So pause right there for just a second. There's something very valuable about this, right? This harkens to the parable of um, uh, Lazarus and the rich man. You remember that parable? It's a parable, right? It's a teaching. It's a story. But nevertheless, th that Lazarus, no connection whatsoever to the Lazarus that we've been reading about that Jesus raised from the dead, okay? It is a parable. But Jesus told the parable of, the, of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man, in essence, had received his reward on earth. Lazarus was the beggar. He longed to eat from the table scraps of the rich man, but the rich man had no compassion. Both of them die. Lazarus goes to heaven. Rich man goes to hell. The rich man then starts pleading with Abraham to, to dip his finger in water so, and, and touch his tongue with the tip of his finger because he's in agony, right? Picture of hell. It is absolute agony there. Abraham can't do that, won't do that, can't do that. And then the rich man starts to cry out, please go to my brothers, warn them. Do you remember how Abraham responded? Abraham responded by saying, they've got God's word. They've got the law. They've, they've got the prophets. If, if they're not going to listen to the word of God, it doesn't matter who goes back. It doesn't matter if I show up. It doesn't matter if somebody's raised from the dead. It doesn't matter if there's a miraculous sign. If they don't believe the word of God, they're not going to believe anything. And y'all, even though this is some 2,000 years ago, this remains true today. The power is always in the word of God. It's been that way from the beginning, right? God spoke the word of God. And he created all things. He speaks life into us. It, the power is always the word of God. And if the word of God isn't enough, nothing's going to be enough. Jesus just replied to them. All right. So they're asking him questions as if, if he gives them a satisfactory answer, then they'll believe in him. No, no, no. No. Jesus gives them the word, calls them to believe. They don't do it. The power is always in God's word. That's why we preach God's word. That, that, that's why we do what we do. That's why the tactics of this world, y'all, you, you see these gigantic mega churches coming up and you see that the back door is just as big as the front door. And it's this human recycling center of people that are in and out and they get there and they hear the promises of the world and they're never fulfilled, fulfilled. And then they end up leaving dejected. And there are so many people that identify with Christ, but don't really belong to him. Why? Because they don't hear the word. They don't believe the word. What does this say about churches in the United States? And y'all, this is not my hobby horse, but come on. All these churches out here that claim to be churches but aren't. They don't believe the Bible. They don't teach and preach the Bible. As a result, you've got a load of people out there that claim to be a follower of Christ, but they're not. 
Why? Because they don't trust the word. That's why verse 37 says, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe him. The power is in the word. You know, if you go through all of the gospels, I think there are 19 different signs given. Now, that doesn't mean that John contradicts Luke or anything like that. It's just, realize that the writers of the Gospels include what they want to include, right? It's their telling of the Gospel, the good news of Jesus. But all these different signs on the public scene and all these private things going on, not enough. It's not enough. It's the same way in the world today. Trust me on that. I, I have experience with that. The people that say, well, why don't we see the kind of things going on today that we saw in the Bible. If we did, people would believe. No, they wouldn't. You want to know how I know? Because, y'all, miracles happen every day. The Lord intervenes in the world around us. Look at the nuclear weapons that, that we think we have. You know, you and I don't even know what we've really got, right? I mean, or what Russia has or what China or India has. You know, these are, are, are weapons that make what happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, it makes them look like bottle rockets. You think the Lord isn't working in the world today? The fact that we're not one ball of glass floating in space is evidence of the miraculous work of God. How many people are healed? Mysteriously, nobody knows how. I know how. God healed them, right? How many times does God intervene and redeem the unredeemable? How many times does God build this church? You know, look at what's going on with the church in China, in India, in Africa. This is all miraculous, and the world doesn't care one thing about it. Just like they didn't care one thing about the miraculous signs that Jesus was working. Now, we know that because they didn't trust the Word of God, but we have a fuller explanation of what's specifically going on with these people in verse 38. You know, why would they not believe? Well, verse 38 this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Verse 39, for this reason they could not believe, because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Hey, y'all, there's something specific going on here, and we got to be careful. we got to be really careful because we can't take this word spoken specifically about Israel at that time and in that place. We can't take that, and we cannot apply it to what's going on in the world around us today. Does God harden hearts? Absolutely. Is there something going on with ethnic Israel right now? If you read Romans 11, you find out that God has hardened Jews' hearts until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. That's what's going on right now, all right? There's mystery behind this. When Paul looks like he's going to explain everything and, and why God is doing this, he drops back and he offers a doxology and he praises God that we can't fully understand it, right? We're not going to read it today. Read Romans 11 today and try to wrap your noodle around that, okay? But nevertheless, we can't take this about ancient Jerusalem and God working his will and apply it across the board for all time to all people groups. And even if we could, 
realize this this business of God hardening hearts the first place we really see that is Jacob and Esau right for Jacob I've loved Esau I've hated we see this again with Pharaoh right where the, I think it's three and three three times Pharaoh resolves in his own heart not to let God's people go the next three times what we see from Pharaoh is that God hardens his heart y'all realize this God never makes anybody sin number one and number two nobody ever goes to hell that doesn't want to go there I'll say that again nobody ever ends up hell that doesn't want to be there now they may not say it not everybody is Bon Scott from ACDC singing about a highway to hell or uh, you know um, other rock and roll references I could use that glorify hell not everybody is that bold about it but when we reject Jesus Christ and when we turn our backs on that which we know to be true Romans 1 says God's law is written on our hearts that's why you can go to the deepest part of the Amazon and everybody knows it's not right to, to murder people right so you take all of this into account we're willfully wicked we need no help sinning so realize that this hardening of hearts that is spoken of here really points to what God does in not giving us grace and it's God's choice he gets to choose who he gives grace to and who he doesn't and you might say that's not fair and I would agree it's not fair everybody belongs in hell every single one of us none of us deserve to go to heaven and yet because of Jesus Christ God saves some of us now that's for a different topic a different time um, and if you have questions about that write me here uh, or call me whatever if you're at Old Providence come and see me and we'll talk about this but what has been revealed here by John is that God is carrying out his purpose in Jesus Christ how do you read this how do you read between the lines see this for what it is God is working and bringing his son to the point that he will be the sacrifice for all those who trust in him we even find out why Isaiah prophesied these things and the reason you might say well how do you know God is doing this just for Jesus to be sacrificed not verse 41 Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus glory and spoke about him now this verse is extremely important y'all it's extremely important for two reasons the first is what we've just been talking about that God hardened hearts and that God paved the way for his son to go forward and to be the sacrifice for his people's sins that's why that's very important it's also very important because if you ever wonder about Old Testament prophecy right for instance at Christmas time I can tell you I'm going to talk about Isaiah 9 it's one of the most important passages in all of God's Word because it prophesies Christ if you ever think is that a stretch is how do we know that Isaiah is really talking about Jesus because God tells us and God tells us right here in John 12 verse 41 Isaiah looked forward by God's grace and power and saw Jesus glory and thus he prophesied now we find something interesting after this after it talks about God hardening hearts and that sort of thing and, and the way being paid for Jesus to be the sacrifice we find out something interesting verse 42 it says yet you know this is in contrast to those who refuse to believe it says yet at the same time many 
even among the leaders believed in him. Now, pause right there. You might say, well, that's fantastic. And then you got people following Christ here. They believe in him. But realize, y'all, there's a difference between belief and faith. Belief is the idea. Faith is the action that follows up the idea. Again, verse 42, yet at the same time, many, believe, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. And we see the real issue at play here. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. This is where we're going to pick up tomorrow, but we see this idea at work here that is still at work today, where there are people that really believe that Jesus is the Son of God. There are people that really know he's God. There are people that really know they need to trust in him, but they don't. Why? That's a big question. It's a big question I found especially with Christians who are adults and whose children have grown and have left the church. And they say things to me like, well, they believe in God. They know about Jesus. And my friends, I'm very sorry to say, and I say it with a broken heart, but we know that these, even among the leaders, believed in Jesus. They knew he was God. But they didn't care because they chose the things of the world over the things of God. You want to know what's really going on? What's really going on is not a lack of information, for the most part. Now, there are still areas of the world that need to be evangelized, large areas of the world, large areas of the United States that need to be evangelized. But in a whole lot of places in the United States, the problem is not knowing. Even in society now, there's a certain measure of people knowing that Jesus is the Savior. That's why they joke about it. You know, cartoons about Jesus and Family Guy is notorious for this. You know, Seth MacFarlane, who, who does Family Guy and a lot of the stuff, people say, oh, it's just hilarious. Well, not the stuff they do about the Lord. You know, there's stuff that is absolutely blasphemous that they do. And Seth MacFarlane pretends as though he's all edgy and, you know, he's got this liberal thing going on where nothing's out of bounds. He's never done a cartoon of Muhammad. You know why? <laughs> well, Charlie Hebdo in Paris would be happy to tell you why. Um, and nevertheless, I, I digress about all this stuff. The problem is not knowing. You see, there wouldn't be cartoons about Jesus. People wouldn't make fun of Jesus. There wouldn't be country songs about Jesus if people didn't know. The problem is not knowing. The problem is doing. The problem is not knowing. The problem is trusting not an issue of knowledge, it's an issue of faith. That's what's missing. That's what's missing here. And with that, we'll pick up there tomorrow. Let's pray. Our Father, let us not be guilty of knowing, but not doing. Of understanding, but not trusting. As it was then, so it is now. The power is your word. So let us turn to your word again and again, that we would be captive to it, that we would be transformed by it. Oh, Father, forgive us for our doubts, but we thank you so much that we have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. 
draw us to yourself through and by him. Help us to evaluate ourselves. And not only ourselves, but our situations that you place us in, the opportunities that you give us to testify. Help us to see what's really going on and to live in light of it. Please, guide us by your spirit, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Um, Kim Lunsford services today at 11 o'clock at Old Providence. But again, thank you all so much for your kindness and your encouragement of the family. I, I see this morning we've got Alice here and Becky and there's Monica and Christine and Elizabeth and Rose and the other Becky. Again, thank you all so much for your support. Those who commented, those that will be here, I'm grateful for you. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Until then, have a great Tuesday.